Today, the Amiga takes us into the catacombs of hell with Astaroth, the Angel of Death. This is Pixelated Audio, episode 61. Welcome back to the bi-weekly video game music and retro gaming podcast, Pixelated Audio. I'm James, and this is Brian. How's it going, guys? Today, we're going back to our VGM comfort zone, yeah. I guess, <laughs> like sleeping in your own bed, with uh, music on the Amiga, and we're going to be focusing on a game called Astaroth, the Angel of Death. And this game, uh, well, a lot to be said about this game, but the music is so good yeah i mean just what you guys heard coming in you know you just heard that kind of little clip of of one of the uh or the in-game track i'm pumped i'm so excited yeah. for this game no like you said that was just a clip of this track we're gonna play the full thing later on this game only has a couple different tracks so there's that, only four yeah so that's why we decided just let's do a little teaser at the beginning and then we can kind of dive into it but since this game only has four tracks four amazing tracks we decided to, you know, look up some remixes, do something a little bit different, and kind of pepper some of them in to fill out the show a little bit. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because I wasn't thinking about that. But yeah, yeah, we do have some remixes because we kind of wanted to add a little bit of extra spice to the episode. James, you're going out of town, yeah, pretty soon, so uh, we didn't have a chance to record. So we're like, ah, what can we do that's, um, I guess, kind of easy for us? Kinda, yeah, you know, like something that we we both are really into, uh, like the music of, and we also can kind of do in a, in a short amount of time. So this is going to be a little bit short episode, I, yeah. I think. I mean, who knows? We might end up talking for <laughs> We have um, a lot of great music and mm-hmm. a lot of cool remixes to, uh, to check out as well. Okay, so Astaroth, the Angel of Death, is a maze or puzzle platformer that mm-hmm. was released in 1989 on a single floppy disk for the Commodore Amiga OCS hardware and the Atari ST. And it was published by Hewson and developed by Eldritch the Cat. And we don't want to go into too much detail about Hewson, but a quick note is that they were a publishing house based in the UK, founded by Andrew Hewson in 1983. And they published a few titles that were pretty good, like Paradroid and Uridium. But like most studios from back in the day that were pretty small, the transition into the 16-bit systems didn't go so smooth for Hewson, with a lot of their titles being less than stellar ports of their older catalog. Yeah. And of course, you know, some one-offs like Astroth, and things like that but basically they closed the doors in 1991 but for Andrew Hewson he wasn't done him and a few other people got together and created 21st Century Entertainment which was the company responsible for games like Deliverance Pinball Dreams Pinball Fantasies and Slam Tilt we had uh, the pinball episode yeah. where we did pinball dreams. And did we do pinball fantasies too? Uh, we might have. I think we might have. We might have saved that one for pinball volume two. Yeah, yeah. But no, that's that's a really fun episode, and the music is really really good. Yeah. That was um, Olaf Gustafsson. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that, that soundtrack was especially good. That whole episode had such a good variety of amazing pinball music. Yeah, like the Pinbot. Uh, we were just yeah. at California Extreme, and oh, Pinbot. I just want to own that. 
Yeah, that, that cabinet so bad. Well, and we saw the sequel, actual pinball cabinet to Pinbot, pin which was, I can't remember what it was called, but it was like a female. It was oh, so yeah, cool. Yeah, it had yeah. like the Pinbot in the background. It was pretty neat. Yeah, you're like, oh my God, is that is that Pinbot? Yeah. Anyways, I think we're going off about the Pinbot too much here. But <laughs> <laughs> anyways, um, but Slam Tilt was composed by Ian Howells too. So an excellent composer. Yeah. Um, Eldridge the Cat, the developer, was a small UK-based development company that came together by two software programmers. There was Mark Dawson, who is now known as Mark Wildling. That's his his actual birth name, Mm -hmm. Uh, so he changed it back. And then Steve Wetherill in 1988. Mark was pretty much the lead engineer, but when the game came out, he was only 24 years old. Yeah, that's pretty nuts. That's awesome because, you know, and I think this is kind of like a a common occurrence back then, right? Like Mm -hmm. the new developing technologies, these kids coming, you know, have a lot of free time in high school. And so they're they're learning engineering, they're playing around with systems, you know, their parents are are putting money to get them a, you know, C64 and Atari ST, all this stuff. And they're learning how to, uh, to code. And then when they get a little bit older and they've been playing all these games, mm-hmm. they're like, well, I should start my own company. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's really neat. I mean, we've talked to a ton of composers like Barry Leach got started really early. Chris Hulesbeck got started really early. Tomomi Otani in our last episode got started really early. I mean, and these people just exploded. Really yeah, I mean, it yeah. was definitely this medium that was baked for kids and they actually just started picking up this open source software and the demo scene, all that stuff just cultivated all these amazing musicians and programmers and, and just creative people. Yeah. The name Eldritch the cat is kind of an odd one. Yeah. Um, In Astroth in the manual, actually there's a small bio about uh, Mark Dawson and he kind of talks about the company and also the game a little bit. And what he says about the company name is that it has, a, and I quote here, a rather dubious origin. Uh, there was a guitarist called Andrew Eldritch who played in a group called Sisters of Mercy. Yeah. And that's kind of how they uh, they just grabbed that name and slapped it in front of the cat. Yeah. That's it's, how it became. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty funny. I mean, there's so many people that we've heard that have were really influenced by Sisters of Mercy back in those days, which is pretty cool. I mean, What's well, an awesome band, man. Yeah, like, I mean, Barry Leach mentioned them you know, by name in it, the episode that that was somebody <laughs> that really heavily influenced his music. Right. No, it's, it's a, it's a great band. Actually go back and listen to some of their music. It's yeah, definitely. Off the hook. So Eldritch the Cat managed to develop a handful of OCS and ECS games like Chuck Yeager's Advanced Flight Trainer 2, Crime Does Not Pay, Last Ninja 3, and Projectile, which both of those are pretty cool games. Those are awesome games. Yeah, and then there's also Under Pressure. Yeah, the last game, Eldritch the Cat, was developed... God, that name is horrible. It just reminds me of Eek the Cat. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, dude. I totally forgot about that. Your girlfriend is fat. Really? (laughs) Like, that's the only thing I remember from that cartoon. It's just like every time he showed a picture of his girlfriend, they'd be like, she's fat. And he'd be like, really? And she was pretty fat. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Sorry. Okay, composure. Yeah. Um, the la- so the last game that Eldritch the Cat was developing was uh, a game called Flops. Yeah. <laughs> that was the last game. They were yeah, which, which is another thing that's just so funny that as they were going out of business, they created a game called Flops. So yeah. it's just it's just so you know ironic. I it, think. But. Yeah, that Flops stands for Futile League of Pathetic Superheroes. Uh, but yeah, it never saw the light of day. It never got released. Yeah, so. which I don't know. It could have been a cool game because you know back in those days, everything was like I'm the best CIA agent ever. I'm you know like the toughest dude, and this is a group of like really crappy superheroes. Yeah. So. Anyways, uh, let's get into our first track. This is actually the title screen music of Astroth, the Angel of Death, and it's composed by Yochan Hippel. <laughs> Thank you. 
That was the title screen music composed by Yochen Hippel for Astroth on the Commodore Amiga. God, there you go. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. Oh man. Um. Yeah. I I really really enjoy this track. Mm-hmm. I, I just I mean everything about it. It's it's simplicity. I think mm-hmm. um goes a long way, but it has a very eerie, almost demonic kind of feel. Mm-hmm. I guess in those slow arpeggiated you know scales just keep going the whole way through the track and and sound incredible yeah through all the different kind of um i want to say sections or or movements in, mm-hmm. the, in the track there are a lot there's a you know you got the arpeggiated uh kind of lead section and then you have mm-hmm. the uh square wave lead and then you got uh the triplet section mm-hmm. it's just it's just a really cool track to listen to especially with headphones on, yeah no. we're, we're mixing these all at like 65 percent, so it's not too overwhelming because mm-hmm. the amiga like we've talked about before is hard panned uh two channels to the left two channels to right, the right right kind of bridging the gap so when you're listening with headphones um it it sounds tolerable yeah no sometimes it definitely it, it like fries your brain listening to the two pan- the two channels completely separated and right. trying to mix in your head but I mean, this is this is definitely the type of music I like to listen to when I'm drawing and working and stuff like that because right. it's just it really fills you up and you feel like no matter what you're doing is just super amazing and it's <laughs> like I feel like oh my god I'm the greatest artist that's ever lived listening to this music and I mean this is like just under a six minute track and this is a title screen track yeah like there's nothing going on there's no animations on the title screen or anything like that it's just you're just staring at the title screen listening to this amazing song and like you said with the different movements I loved how it was simple and it was just a really amazing sounding but every time he went into a different direction he came right back to that very yeah. simple amazing sound kind of and back then to home base yeah and then yeah. then went off again so the whole track has a very similar feel across the like whole a thing uniform kind of value to it yeah yeah no, cuz we've definitely heard amiga tracks that start in one place and end in a very different place and they kind of transition slowly but this one definitely comes back to to what was good about this track and then mm-hmm. went in a different direction which i thought was amazing and i mean i mean this was like this is an epic title screen track i mean there are not a whole lot of games that are worthy of this type of music and astroth's definitely not one of those games but i mean it's just so such an amazing song well the the problem with this track the 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 really the only flaw i see in it is that it's the title screen track right and there's nothing to do on the title screen but move forward to the next screen and start the game like what are the chances of somebody just sitting i mean other than people who love game music like us mm-hmm. sitting on the title screen for you know close to six minutes uh before pressing any buttons you know you've right. already waited for the game to load off the disc which takes forever mm-hmm. and then you know you're sitting at the title screen i mean most people i mean kids anyway, yeah are gonna want to start it up yeah so you're, very gonna, miss, you're yeah. gonna miss a lot of the, the track yeah they're very impatient and you spend all that money and you want to get into it you want to see what's going on i mean that title screen is you know, there's a lot of like biomechanical boobies and stuff like that. So <laughs> as a kid, you're like, oh, I want to see what's yeah, in this game. But uh, yeah, it's definitely one of those these things. And, and I've seen this a lot with like the Amiga stuff to where like they just like kind of like blow their wad on like the title screen. It's like, <laughs> please just hit start. Like this is like this is something you're going to hear. Like right. this is uh, an example of what you're going to hear in the game. And mm-hmm. I mean, this track was just yeah. phenomenal. Yochin Hippel. Oh, yeah. I, we have a lot to say about him. Oh, but, yeah. Um, you know. Let's kind of back up a little bit here. I, I kind of want to explain why I got into uh, this soundtrack because I knew about the soundtrack mm-hmm. way before I ever played the game. This isn't, uh, you know, I grew up 
with an Amiga in hand, and I didn't actually experience this until later on in life. Right. Much, much later on, actually. Well, I can't really see this being a game that your parents would have bought for you. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, but the the thing is, um, well, it was only released in the UK, too, so yeah. it's not like we had a lot of options. You know? right. It was pretty much copy parties, or that was it. So I had first heard this, and I was first introduced to the song, uh, or this, this specific track, actually, through the demo scene. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite artists of the demo scene of all time, Estraic from the group Paradox, actually did a, uh, a remix of the track. And I was so, so in love with like his kind of transcribing of, mm-hmm. of the song that um, I was like, man, where did this come from? Why is it named Astroth 4, you know, fast or, you know, mm-hmm. like what is what's going on with that? And so I had been listening to the track way before I even knew it was a game. I thought it was just like a demo. And then oh, yeah. you read the the you know the notes in the mod file, and it's like oh you know it's com- originally composed by Yochi and Hippo. And like I was like oh my god, I loved him from other games, right? Right. Who I'd been you know I other games that I did have, and I was like oh my god, this is, this is the same guy. But the track was a fast version of this track. I, do you want to hear it? Oh yeah, of course. All right, so let's play it. So it's Astroth Four Fast Mod. It's a more channel mm-hmm. mod file transcribed by Astraic from the group Paradox. heard Astroth 4 Fast by Astraic from the demo scene group Paradox. Yeah, this is a four-channel mod file, and uh, it's pretty cool, right? Yeah, no, I, I could definitely see why you like this track, and yeah. it, it's cool that even at that speed, it retains that kind of feeling, that mm-hmm. kind of dark, like foreboding feeling with those really high notes still kind of chiming around. Well, in the original track, you get this really awesome kind of echo on the bass drum. It yeah. has this... Yeah, like, which I love. I, I just love it when drums. <laughs> I just saw your eyes roll when you said yeah. that. Um, but uh, yeah, so it, it does that in a in a in a fast way. Obviously, yeah. I think that's why I fell in love with it. When it kicks in, it hits hard. Yeah, it's, it's fast, and I I like it. Now he also did a um, a a slower version, like almost like a um, just a basic transcription mm-hmm. into uh, mod format. But uh, I, I like this fast version i thought it was uh it was fun this oh, yeah. this has been on my hard drive since i was a kid and i've you know brought it up with me you know through the years and i've never forgot it yeah so. oh i can definitely see why i mean this is definitely it, it tattoos your brain with such a cool sound yeah but the uh the credits actually go to yochi and hippo right. for composing like this stellar soundtrack 
his real name is Andreas Yochian Hippel, and he is, I, like I said before, he's one of my favorite 16-bit microcomputer composers of all time. Yeah. He's just a phenomenal guy. Uh, what he produces, everything is like golden. Yeah. It, it all sounds amazing. Well, uh, I mean, after that track, hopefully you listeners, this is one of your favorite composers <laughs> now too. So. Right. So he's a German composer, most well known for his work on the Atari ST using the YM2149. And he can be considered one of the first really good composers. I think good is a little bit of an understatement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's one of the first really good composers yeah. on the platform. He's also an insanely experienced programmer on the Amiga. So a lot of the titles that um, like companies had you know done on the Atari ST, he mm-hmm. would port them over to the Amiga himself. Yeah, yeah. and some of his notable credits are Amber Star, Wings of Death, Lethal Excess, which is a sequel to Wings of Death. Did we play a track from Lethal Excess? Uh, we think, might have. I, I know we definitely. Did. I know we definitely talked about doing an entire episode on it. But yeah, uh, we might have played one in an expansion pack. I, thought, have to, I think you did. Yeah, we'd have to look back at that. But uh, I mean, some of the other ones like Prehistoric Tale. That's another Which amazing soundtrack. One of my favorite soundtracks. Yeah. yeah. There's Cybernoid Two, Warp, Ghost Battle, Dragon Flight, and a bunch of conversions to the ST, like Turrican One and Two, and just so much more. Amazing stuff. Yeah, his musical roots actually date back to the mid 80s where he got his start on the Atari ST, um, basically in the Atari ST demo scene under the handle Mad Max as a member of the German demo group called The Exceptions. And The Exceptions were like this really pioneering group for what I guess what paved the way for the Atari ST scene. Like pretty much everybody, you know, that had an Atari ST that was really kind of following it. Mm-hmm was kind of looking to the exceptions is like the i guess the poster child for that you know the st demo scene oh yeah i could definitely see that but yeah his big break into the music world though came when the exceptions released a demo called best in galaxy that featured a huge collection of c64 tunes converted into the ym format yeah abbreviated uh just big and you Mm -hmm. can find it on like demo zoo or something like that but it's a really really cool demo and there's like there's so many tracks that are yeah. just so well done but this was a massive challenge since the YM2149 didn't have the filters that the 64 had like like ADSR enveloping and ring modulation yeah. so it was just really uh, quite the feat and I think it got him a lot of notoriety oh yeah so creating the similar feel of the originals was a major undertaking yeah. however Hipple created his own sound driver to replicate as best as he could the C64's effects so I mean this was, right. was really cool but He's done a vast number of tracks in the demo scene in addition to all of his game music. Yeah, if you want to listen to some Hipple demo scene stuff, you can check out the Impulse Project. That's mm-hmm. the, uh, yeah, the, you know, my side project that um, I do with Ed and James has been on. Mm-hmm. If you listen to some of the past episodes, um, you can listen to, uh, or maybe future episodes, you can listen to some of his, his Atari ST work. It's it's pretty it's pretty good oh yeah i mean yeah. imagine using the entire file size that a game would normally take up for music i yeah. mean that's oh, yeah. in, in completely incredible <laughs> yeah so anyway up until this point he worked mostly as a freelancer until he joined talion software both as a composer and as a software engineer right and what's really interesting is that he basically created his own musical tools most of his amiga music is in the hipple format which i guess is a benefit of creating it you can name it after <laughs> you yourself name it after yourself <laughs> i want the brian format yeah and the, the other audio format oh yeah <laughs> And the other format he used was Hipple COSO, which is basically a compressed Hipple format. Yeah. And if you remember back in the Jim Power episode when we had Hulsbeck on, mm-hmm. we talked about a music format called TFMX, which was created by Hulsbeck and Peter Therwolf. Anyways, Hipple converted that format over to the ST and then developed it a little bit further. He kind of added his own 
modifications to it. And he also uh, did a uh, this thing called the seven voice replayer, which is uh, another format that gives seven voices mm-hmm. to the audio, which is really unique because like, you know, the Atari ST only had the three and the uh, Amiga really only had the four. Yeah. Uh, you know, with the exceptions of software and stuff. But I think that that that's really cool. And he's you know, it goes to show that he was a really versed engineer oh yeah i mean definitely taking something like that pushing it a step further and then creating this workaround to give three extra voices to something that people were doing amazing stuff with four i mean yeah. and then in the hands of someone like hipple three yeah. extra channels could just be mind-blowing well you look at like uh demo scene uh, like different competitions and stuff like that and a lot of the winners, you know, if there's no fixed category, you know, for right, channel right. mod and stuff, a lot of the winners will be the ones that have 16 or 32 mm-hmm. channels, something like that, you know, some insane amount of channels. But the ones that, that win and only have like the four, the standard mod channels mm-hmm. are the ones that are the the most creative. This the oh, super yeah. like, what can I do with these insanely strict limitations uh, to kind of push the limits and uh, get people excited for it. Oh, yeah. That's a completely amazing set of skills to take a certain number of channels and then compete against people that have more channels (laughs) and then still out, like, engineer them, like, still design the track to where every sound, every bit you're using is, like, really, you know, squeezing every Um, amount out. I liked how you said that, like, out-engineer, because rather than just out-compose, it's a a combination of both. It's engineering and composition, and that to have that, you know, talent, that quality i think is is really important yeah i think back in the day that's that was definitely the thing we're seeing a lot of composers that were also engineers they, right. they knew how to write things in code and make music that to way to some degree yeah yeah and then nowadays it's just like i'll just make it however i make it and i can convert it into whatever you're using but then back then it's just you had to know what you were doing yeah anyways uh you ready for our next track because oh, yeah. I, sure I hope i can handle it <laughs> yeah this is the game over track composed by yochin hipple for astroth on the amiga
lovely tune was not an ending game track. That was the <laughs> Game Over track composed by Yo-Chen Hipple for Astroth on the Amiga. This is probably my least favorite track in the entire soundtrack out of the four. Yeah. Uh, but it's still cool. It's- oh, yeah. It's still a really beautiful track. It just feels really out of place compared to that first one. And the way I saw it, it was like, you know, the first track is very heavy, kind of like dark sounding a little bit. And this was very lovely and flowers and like yeah. easter colors and merry and christmas yeah, yeah. And, and, and to me it made it feel like you know death was the escape it was like that was the way to get out of this hell was to die <laughs> <laughs> the escape from the game because, yeah. Yeah, yeah but um no I, you know i liked it it's, it's simple it's you know it's got this kind of chippy melody but mm-hmm. it's not really doing anything out of the box i think that you know we're gonna hear a lot more the last you know the last two tracks uh, or the next two tracks that we're gonna play i think uh, really showcase the soundtrack a lot better but we did want to yeah. add this one in we only got four so you know we didn't want to leave it out but yeah uh, and i think it was definitely a conscious choice to you know this this game is a very demonic game it's very dark there's a lot of like evil presence in right. everything that's going on i think uh having a lot of game over sounds are very kind of dark and like you died it's over like you know try it's again it's almost the opposite of that yeah, yeah i think it was definitely a conscious choice to say okay let's do something bright and flowery as like a, a variation like this is you died this is over this is not the sound you want to hear oh, while you're playing this game it. yeah yeah um, yeah it's a cool track I, I wouldn't say that uh, this is something that I would put in my normal mix but uh, right, yeah. it's it's still it's still cool to hear you know when you do die in the game it does feel a little bit of a almost like a relief yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right so I think it's time to talk about the game a little bit yeah we haven't done any of that at all yet so <laughs> So in this game, you play as a character named Ozymandias, which uh, he's like a guy with like a top hat and a cape. And to me, he actually kind of looked a little bit like Chris Hulsbeck. So, <laughs> so I kind, <laughs> kind of, of imagine, yeah, yeah, I kind of imagine it as like Chris Hulsbeck, like fighting demons. But yeah. uh, he, Chris Hulsbeck is listening to this and he's thinking, you mother. <laughs> <laughs> he's probably, oh yeah, that'd be really cool. <laughs> uh, anyway, so you travel through these catacombs of Azeroth's domain until you eventually find her and defeat her. Uh, in this game, Azeroth is depicted as a female, unlike in demonology where the demon is depicted as a male figure. Yeah, that's really unique to this game actually yeah in fact the you know the cover art or not the box art but the uh i guess the advertisement art Mm -hmm. uh has azeroth as you know as a woman you get the full breast view and all yeah yeah and uh i think that's a really unique take on it the artist had a kind of an interesting idea you know put in their mind when they were creating this game oh yeah when we get into the different bosses we'll kind of delve into that a little bit further but right. um azeroth in history is known as the duke of hell alongside beelzebub and lucifer creating basically the evil trinity uh so which you know yeah. if you're really into like religion and all that stuff it's like the opposite but right. um which is it's really interesting for a game to kind of dive into a lesser known like major demon i guess yeah so. well i i remember azeroth through uh <laughs> i soul caliber actually I oh think yeah that was my yeah. first in- introduction where it's like this huge like yoked out guy with a mask and he has a i think it's an, a double ended axe mm-hmm. and he's just i don't know he's just total beast but oh yeah that's how i knew the name. when i was looking up the, the doing research for the game that was the first things i came up with i had to be a little bit more specific but there's a lot of images that depict as like a, a humanoid male demon with mm-hmm. like wings and like doing some crazy twisted stuff so <laughs> um also according to demonologist astro's strength is increased against humans in august yeah, those of you listening, when this episode first came out... It's a sign. Is, yeah, this is definitely... Uh, maybe we're under Astros' control. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, Astros' tools... 
uh, some of the, the tools Astroth likes the most to corrupt people are by the means of laziness and vanity. So, I've been victim of uh, the laziness for sure. Yeah, I, I guess I would have pegged you more for vanity. Really? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I but, did uh, just get my nails done. So. <laughs> you don't and like them? Yeah. No. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> anyway, back to the game's story. In order to beat Azeroth in the final battle, you have to collect all the mind powers found throughout the levels. And these mind powers help you to deal with not only enemies in the levels, but also help you reach additional mind powers located throughout the maze. Right. There's a total of nine different powers that you need to collect. There's telekinetics that help you move objects with your mind. There's pyrokinetics for fire ability, telepathy, shape-shifting, levitation, cryokinetic, which is your ice power mm-hmm. uh, against, um, I guess, the fire demons and stuff yeah. like that. There's night vision and meditation. And meditation is really critical because it helps your character heal. Yeah. You sit down and you just kind of recharge your brain and stuff. So it's yeah. really useful. No, it's definitely one of the only powers that you use to heal yourself. To, and it's not benefit. an attack. So. Right, right. So apparently... Though uh, Mark Dawson, he got the idea for for the mind powers and everything like that after reading Stephen King's Carrie novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess the I, idea behind the book, if if you've read the book, I actually saw the movie, but if you read the book uh, or saw the recent remake, Carrie has telekinetic mind powers that really kind of appealed to the creators, and so yeah. Dawson was thinking like, you know, I really like this idea. How can I kind of adapt this into a video game? And that's that's what happens. So, mm-hmm. so you use all of these mind powers throughout the game to kind of move your way around the uh, this kind of labyrinth or this maze. Oh, yeah. Definitely was something about the game that struck me pretty quickly was that it's not like collecting more guns or more ammo and things like that. It's it's definitely collecting different types of mind powers and different you know weird abilities that help take on the final boss. Yeah. Anyways, uh, let's get into the next track, which is the high score track. Uh, this is an incredible track, and oh, this yeah. plays right after that last track that we played. Um, when you get the game over, it's kind of that flowery, happy track. Mm-hmm. This plays, and it really kind of sets a new tone. It's an amazing track. You guys are going to love it. So this is the high score track, composed by Yochi and Hippel.
You just heard the high score track composed by Yochan Hippel for Astroth on the Amiga. This is a really deep, dark, kind oh, of yeah. sinister track. I mean, we're going back to kind of how that first track played out. Uh, it does have another, I guess, demonic mm-hmm. kind of undertone. And uh, I really, really like the the arpeggios in this one because it's, it's not... I mean, yeah, it's a little bit strong, but... It's using them like chords, where uh-huh. sometimes arpeggios aren't used that way. They're used. Um, it's almost a novelty in some tracks. Oh yeah, yeah. And arpeggios definitely are, are kind of in this track. Definitely, I can totally see how they're they take on a whole new form. Like, yeah. If you take out the arpeggio and you just play the chord by itself, if we had the voices to do that on the Amiga. I think it would still sound incredible. And oh I yeah, think that yeah. That's what he's kind of going for. He's doing the. the Dun 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 dun, and uh, I think that kind of hearing that um, and being able to kind of decipher how he's uh, he's putting the track together makes it a little bit more interesting to listen mm-hmm. to. It's a really really awesome track. This one is so deep, and I just I can listen to this all the time. Yeah, no, and and for me, I, I guess I would have figured that that I would have probably, if I were in charge of this game, I would have flipped those two tracks. That this would have been the death. The, the game over soundtrack the game over track and then the high score would have been like oh this is what you got this you did so good like this is how far you got but this they kind of chose to be like this is it this is all you got you could have done better you need to do it again and this track was so cool and when those sustained arpeggios came in and i was like oh my god i was like totally melted yeah this, this was so cool you know such a great track what Yochan Hippel really likes to do and it's it's interesting because you know he comes he, yeah he comes from the Atari ST you know, with the Amiga and moving over, you know, making the jump over to the Amiga hardware, he has a lot more freedom with sampling and right. making these more kind of dynamic and, uh, I guess, modern sounding tracks. But he goes and he sticks to uh, what he knows and keeps it very... And, and you can hear this actually across all of Hipple's music. Mm-hmm. It sounds very chiptune. And this is Amiga. This is very sample based, but he still keeps that almost Commodore 64 style yeah. to all of his tracks. And this is a, a very good testament of that. What you guys are hearing, you know, this is on the Amiga, but it does have kind of a C64 undertone. It's very mm-hmm. chippy. Oh, yeah, I can totally see that. I like how you can't really pick out too many instruments. Like, that's a guitar, you know, that's a bass drum or a cymbal. And it's such a step away from modern music. And, you know, like in the 80s, they were all using real instruments and stuff like that. So, <laughs> right. I mean, and this just adds to this track to where it was so different than what everyone else was listening to that it gave it that otherworldly feel. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that's um, something that's really kind of unique about um, the C64 and the uh, Amiga when it has that chiptune kind of vibe to it yeah. it doesn't really you can't it's not really approximating any specific instrument it's doing its own style of you know music this whole new genre I guess mm-hmm. yeah it's definitely a conscious choice to make it sound chiptune like that which is really cool alright so let's go back over to the gameplay a little bit and talk about our experiences with mm-hmm. the game uh, we both played the game uh I played the Amiga, I played the Atari ST. I think you played the Atari ST version as well, right? Yeah, I definitely dabbled a little bit in both of them, but I think I spent more time with the Amiga. Right. So when you when you play the game, you come across things like traps and obstacles in this massive catacomb mm-hmm. of Astroth's domain. 
and uh, it's almost like like Metroid in a sense, the the style of it. Yeah, and if you if you imagine a game like um like the very first Zelda, how the screen scrolls one whole screen at a time, that's how this game works. It's it's one solid screen. Right, it doesn't right. follow your character as he slightly moves. Right. It's not like the Amiga couldn't do scrolling. It re- I mean, it could. We saw yeah. that in like Jim Power, a lot of other games. But uh, it was a conscious choice for them to make it kind of this uh, one screen is one puzzle and then get your your gameplay style that way. I guess. Yeah, it was kind of cool because then each time you're getting a whole new pattern, a whole new set of enemies. And if you left the screen and it scrolled over, all those enemies would respawn when you came back. <laughs> right, so right. you were constantly in a barrage of enemies. Yeah. So along with all these traps and obstacles mm-hmm. there's also a ton of environmental hazards and the game also features a pretty deep roster of your kind of standard uh grunt enemies yeah. i guess each with their own attacks and their own kind of little backstories yeah no i was really surprised to see how many different monsters and and enemies there were in this game i mean there are things like anacondas impalers bludgeon beasts giant bats giant scorpions giant worms, worms. Yeah. Yeah, harpies. Oh, uh, the harpies. Yeah, I wanted to mention that those are um, big birds. Yeah, with with like yeah, just like the chest <laughs> of a the female. Chest of a yeah. female. Yeah, yeah. I mean, harpies. I think they're kind of depicted somewhat similar across a right. whole bunch of different games and even right, right, in like right. you know literature and stuff. But mm-hmm. uh, it was kind of another uh, a testament to that this this game has a lot of female figures in oh, it. Oh yeah, it's like totally doused in female antagonists. Yeah, I Astroth mean, and. Uh, all, all the bad guys, all the walls. Yeah, the I mean, there's even fire and water elements in the game that take the form of a female. So I thought that was actually kind of neat, too. Yeah. The game doesn't have a diverse cast of bosses. There's only really three. Right. Um, and they're not easy to kill, either. They each require a specific mind power that you have to, you know, accumulate along the way mm-hmm. to be able to take them out. It kind of has that Mega Man kind of vibrate. Right. Well, not not really, I guess, because Mega Man, you can just kind of cheese bosses with the original. You can, you know, but power it, blaster, it does but. make it a lot easier if you know what you what you need. Right, but in this game, you're required to utilize a specific mind power to mm-hmm. take out a boss, and uh, there's a few. So there's the Sphinx, there's a three headed Hydra, and a Merilith Demon. These they're just scattered in random places. Mm-hmm. We came across was it the the Hydra the Hydra yeah. yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, this entire game is one giant map. It's basically a giant level that you have to kind of figure out how to traverse. And so we just happened to stumble across the boss very early on. I think we only had, like, maybe the levitation... Uh, mind power so there's nothing we could do we could levitate up to the top of the screen and just watch them and they couldn't do anything <laughs> yeah. to us but yeah you could uh, definitely cheese some of the bosses like i think yeah. the the hydra i got to it uh just the other night and i just jumped behind it and it was shooting fire straight forward but mm-hmm. there's no ai to like say hey turn around the guy's right behind you right so. right no I, I would assume that if you had the right mind power that him shooting fire at you may not even have been a big deal at all but i thought that was kind of neat because you could stumble upon astroth very early on and if you don't have all the mind powers and have beaten all of those three bosses there's no way to beat her so but you can just get there like straight from you know the start of the game like, yeah if you, if you find your way there, yeah. yeah now so the controls of this game are a little bit awkward mm-hmm very awkward it yeah. was it was definitely hard to get the hang of it they're, but they're really simple the up button is jump down is duck left and right is move obviously 
Um, the fire button uses the current mind power, and the space bar allows you to select different mind powers. Yeah. This, real quick, his ducking animation. Oh, man. It's, like, super elaborate. He does, like, <laughs> this huge, like, reaching his arms out and, like, bringing up the opposite arm to bring up his cape. And I wish it's I could so fil- terrible. I wish I could film you doing that right now. Yeah. That, that was pretty good. Uh, <laughs> that was pretty good demonstration. It made it so that I could actually, you know, tell people what it sounded like, what it looked like. But we'll have to add that little, like, gif or whatever to the website or something like that. <laughs> So it's just, it's super elaborate and it, it does almost nothing. Yeah. I mean, because your sprite, your hitbox is so big for him that even if you duck, you're going to take damage. Like the, like a bat or a skull flying by you is going to hit you even if it doesn't actually hit you. So Well, yeah, the hitbox is pretty terrible in yeah. this game. But I think it was a little bit better on the Atari ST. Um, I, I was playing that version just the mm-hmm. other night as well. And I felt like it was it was a little bit more confined. Like mm-hmm. I, I felt like I had a little more control over getting hit every five seconds like you do in the yeah. new version. Well, I mean, and, and just the controls sound really simple, but they don't work that great. Like jump is there's no way to jump straight up or do like a small jump or a, a big jump. Right, you right. hit jump and he does this really slow jump forward, a predetermined like a slow-mo sp- Castlevania jump. Yeah, it almost feels like the entire game you're like moving your underwater or something. Yeah, real quick though, want to talk about the uh, display panel at the bottom of the screen because it's important to know how to use that to actually right. play. You get this row at the bottom. It's kind of like your your HUD, mm-hmm. and it has uh, a row of all the mind powers that you can kind of select between. There's these, you know, kind of orbs, I guess. Or yeah, they almost spheres. look like eyeballs, like opening and closing, and R- to reveal right. what mind power is behind it. Yeah, and so you can select your mind power that way. There's also an image of uh, a brain, mm-hmm. and that's actually your health. Yeah. And as soon as you uh, use mind powers or you get hit, that brain starts to decay into this kind of black you know like pile of mush i thought that was so cool because i mean this entire game is all using mind power so it's just such a cool idea instead of having like a health bar and like in a lot of games or like a series of hearts or something to have your brain actually start decay it was pretty cool right there's also things like a compass uh life indicator that's like these uh little kind of crosses yeah and then a clock and because this game is timed Mm -hmm. now I, i don't think the time really made any difference for me i mean maybe i just didn't get far enough for it to matter but Mm -hmm. i didn't see a big effect uh yeah i think maybe like the if you like stand still for a while or just over a certain amount of time like your brain might continue to decay even if you're not using anything yeah so there there might be that element where there's just not a lot of health and you're taking damage all the time and so that time may become a little bit of a factor later in the game right anyways since we've been talking about the gameplay Mm -hmm. let's listen to the in-game tune real quick because this is kind of what the whole game is wrapped around. Right. Everything everything, everything we're talking about is wrapped around this one tune. And it's an amazing track. Yeah, it's really, really good. You uh, guys yeah, are really going to enjoy yeah, it. I can't wait to play this for you guys. Um, this is the in-game tune from Astaroth, composed by Yochi and Hippel. And we'll be right back.
just experienced the in-game music composed by Yochen Hipple for Astroth on the Amiga. Mad Max. Oh my god, this track is so good. Man, I'm so speechless. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I have a ton of notes, but I almost wanted to just... I, I was closing my eyes the whole time. I noticed. I was doing the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, this track has a loop, and we were sitting there, and just like, oh my god. Like, I just wanted this track to never end. It yeah. Was, it was so good. I mean, I think... This but it is the full six minutes and 30 seconds. Yeah. That's the full track. There yeah. is no loop. It loops. Well, I mean, when we were listening to it, it, it hits a loop point. But I, yeah. it's because we didn't want to stop. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, again, the um, ev- it's like everything echoes. Yeah. Ev- he has an echo on everything. And it's an it's echo so good. in both ears. <laughs> it's an echo. Like, uh, he'll play like this little twinkle. Mm-hmm. on the left side and then it'll echo and it'll sustain and then it'll he'll play it on the right side and it'll sustain it's just going through the the major and going through both the major and minor chords and scales it's just it's just this masterful mm-hmm. simple but elegantly composed track yeah no it's definitely it would definitely be a great case for like complexity equals beauty versus simplicity equals beauty type uh, comparison i mean this track is like you said very simple there's not anything that's like a lot of overlapping Mm -hmm. those those echoes really do kind of overlap but i mean i think one of the the great things about japanese composers is it's just nuts there's so much going on and but the control of all that of all those notes all the layers is very masterful whereas Mm -hmm. this track it's so simple and so smooth and clean and it gives you this feeling that you want to keep progressing and there's that part where where everything kind of drops out and it makes you want more Mm -hmm. like i'm just like no no i'm not ready for the track to be over and then it goes into another iteration of everything that's going on and i think that's very amazing that it the track makes you want more even though this is the only song you're going to hear while you're playing this massive like almost like an open world 2d map and very uh, like metroid or castlevania style map right yeah i mean this game is essentially one level mm-hmm. with multiple bosses and a final end boss and this is going to be hearing this the whole time yeah and that's okay yeah no it's totally okay and and from playing this game and spending a little bit of time with it, it may not get the credit that it deserves. And we've noticed there's some people that that said this game is uh, crap. It's crap. There's definitely this game is horrible. <laughs> the music is the only the the only good part about it. But then there's a new, whole new section of people that said, you know, this game is a little overlooked. Yeah. The the map is really good. That the puzzles and stuff like that are really complex, right. and it's something to really spend some time with. I definitely felt that. I mean, even this game is crap. I could listen to the soundtrack and play this game all day long. Yeah. Well, there's some truths to both of that. The track, though, like while you're playing, um, like it's, it's very obvious these are synthesized drums and they mm-hmm. sound very much the part. They are, sound like they're coming out of a like a drum machine. Mm-hmm. But that's okay. I did really enjoy the uh, the arpeggios in this. Like towards the end oh, yeah. of the track. They're very uh, bubbly, but they're very rounded at the same mm-hmm. time. They don't sound, uh, they're not overbearing. Like um, I think we heard in the uh, title screen track, they're a little bit more, um, I guess, kind of graceful. I mean, it could be the same the same situation where they could replace those. I mean, with chords, had they had more channels. But at the same time, I think it works. I think oh, yeah. it works really well. And one thing I noticed too, when you die, the track doesn't start over. It, it continues it playing continues, yeah. through the the death animation and then the respawning type. Right. You have the option on the Amiga to actually turn off 
the uh, sound effects or turn on the sound effects, turn off the music, but mm-hmm. I don't know why you would do that. Yeah. Um, to me, I, going back to this track, though, I, I did want to kind of bring up um, something that kind of hit me when I was, I, you know, I had my eyes closed listening to this, and I hope you guys, if you're driving, I hope you're not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But, um, you know, I was listening and I was just thinking, I was picturing myself in this cathedral, you know, like mm-hmm. these beautiful stained glass windows. Uh, only light coming in is multicolored, you know, based on that that the stain and mm-hmm. uh, nobody else in there. And I'm getting this organ player that's just, you know, this decrepit old man that's just really going to town. Ta- I, I mean, that's my feeling mm-hmm. of this, and and really it kind of took me to this, I guess, almost religious feeling. I'm mm-hmm. not a very religious person, but it, it had that kind of. Th- feeling to me i guess yeah no i could totally see that i mean i think that works perfectly for this game um i think that that type of imagery is is a, is a perfect idea of what's going on for this game and and for me this track really kind of lights a fire under the the idea that indie games are doing this like indie game composers are continuing this idea of like a, a, a melody that's not just atmospheric it's something that invokes some type of emotion mm-hmm. and progresses you forward and keeps you playing and makes you want to keep going and it's if just you're if you're an indie composer and you're listening to this i'm looking at you chase uh yeah. really absorb this this feeling because i think that um it will speak loudly in current games to yeah. this generation as well well yeah i mean the indie market is exploding and we're seeing composers that are really starting to stand out like for me i mean i love chase's music i love you know hitbox studio like oh their music's so good from electric Dust- cafe yeah, electric, electric cafe was on my list like there's so many composers that are going back to what retro games did and i mean there's some soundtracks mm-hmm. that are starting to bring you back to those levels again even though they're new games I, I think that's really great and i think that's one thing that's really great about the indie space yeah so uh let's talk about the graphics a little bit because i haven't mentioned the look of the game yet right and i think it's kind of important to explain because i i think the game graphically is beautiful i, I think so too um you know i was talking about being in the church you know with the stained glass windows you know the light shining through and it gives me that feeling looking at this game there's a lot of really um uh, you know the Amiga does have some muted colors to it, mm-hmm. but it also has very vibrant and very lush graphics mm-hmm. uh, at the same time. Yeah, and I think this is definitely a game that utilizes uh, taking certain color palettes and reserving them for certain things, like the menu screen that we mentioned before that takes place at the bottom of the screen. It's very bright colors: oranges, yellows, Pink. um, yeah, pinks, very bright colors. Whereas the level itself that you're playing in is much more teals, cool colors. Uh, with the occasional bright color mixed in. It so, does feel like a dungeon or a catacomb. Yeah, right? yeah, and a lot of really demonic type things like pentagrams, uh, like very demonic looking faces, um, skulls, all kinds of stuff like that. So yeah. I thought it was really cool. They, they, it seems like they spent some time thinking about what they wanted for the graphics, how they wanted the colors to separate so you knew what you were looking at. Mm-hmm. And for me, I thought this was a, it was a relatively beautiful game. I thought it was really good looking. I, I think both on the Atari ST, uh, it looks a little bit better on the Amiga, well, a lot better on the Amiga, but I think either mm-hmm. way you play it, it's going to look really good. Yeah, I think where some people maybe got a disconnect from liking the game and loving the game was the 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 controls oh yeah the controls definitely take a little bit of time but i think once i started to get a little bit of control of of how everything worked i started like oh man i made it through that entire screen without taking any damage so i felt like i started to understand it and it felt really cool yeah. yeah um 
Pete Lyon did all of the graphics for the game. Mm-hmm. So all of the uh, kind of stained glass look to it yeah. uh, was all done by him as well as, I mean, and it's a pretty big map if you look at oh, it. Oh yeah, we were looking yeah. at it and I mean, we we're scrolling around and, and we start out, we knew exactly where we started, but on finding it on that map was, was kind of uh, like a where's Waldo, like where's this entire, <laughs> this screen that we started right. on this game. Yeah, the main sprite for Osmandius is uh, basically this sketch that Peter Lyon did of the guitarist Andrew Eldritch. So, the, yeah. the, so they used the name yeah. Eldritch the Cat, and then they're like, oh, let's do a little sketch of him, and he turned into the main character. Yeah. It's pretty cool, man. Yeah, I mean, it, it yeah, definitely makes full circle with their love for Sisters of Mercy that not only did they name their company based on this guitarist, but they kind of made the main character based, based on, on, him, on the yeah. look of him, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah. The guy definitely looks like, you know, like an eighties rocker. Heels um, back. No, yeah. Yeah. Like top hat, you yeah. know, cape. He even looks kind of sleeveless in some, in some instances, but I mean, mm. it's really interesting to see how sisters of mercy definitely influenced not only the company, but this game specifically. Yeah. And that artwork that, uh, was featured in a lot of advertisements of the, you know, full-chested Astaroth. Uh, it also actually came as an a 2 size poster mm-hmm. with, with the game. I think, you know, that's pretty cool. I mean, you get a little yeah. poster with it. You know? Well, yeah, and I think when this first when we first decided to really dive into this game, I thought, oh, okay, here's another game where they're using, like, sexuality to try sell games. Here's, like, a naked girl. It's almost and like it's not that, though. I know, and after playing the game, I feel like it was, it was something a little bit different than just, like, using sex to sell and I really started to respect the game a little bit more. And this would be one of the questions I would love to ask the developers. Like, hey, you know, like, what were what was the undertone that you guys were trying to, you know, convey? Or what was, like, the, the different aspects of why you change things to mm-hmm. females and stuff like that? So yeah. instead of it just being like, oh, well boobs sell games yeah, i mean right, right, right this was definitely something that was a little bit different with the way they advertise this game than what most games were doing yeah anyways um let's get into um, our next track actually so we haven't played this is pretty much an amiga focused episode this right. is how we is, we love the amiga sound but let's listen to a track from the atari st version we'll just listen to like a sample like, yeah what do you what do you say i mean i think it would be a good comparison even though we've heard all the tracks now uh let's take a listen to um one of the atari st tracks yeah no i love comparing the two different systems yeah all right so what do you want to what do you want to listen to Ooh, you're gonna leave it up to me i think uh <laughs> I think I want to hear that title screen from the ST. So, Sounds good. So this would be the title screen composed by Yo-Chen Hippel. Thank you. 
All right, that was the title screen music for the Atari ST version of Astaroth, composed by Yochan Hippel, aka Mad Max. Yeah, it's pretty cool, man. I yeah. If I hadn't heard the Amiga version before this, I would have fallen probably more in love with this track. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just think the the Amiga really really does it oh yeah i could definitely see if if the artari st was the only thing you had this is the only way to play this game totally getting your mind blown it's by still this track. yeah it's, it's still, still a bitch and soundtrack yeah it's still super epic it's a little bit heavier it feels heavier to me than the amiga version mm-hmm. but that's not bad and i mean it still has like some of those echoes and things going on that really really worked well for the amiga but just jamming on this art atari st yeah well the you know, the Atari ST had the YM2149, which is three voices of square waves plus the one voice of white noise. It just PSG. So you didn't have the same stereo panning. You right, didn't right. didn't have the, the same exact hardware that you had on the Amiga. And that limitation, I think, really does make a difference in this soundtrack but it doesn't Mm -hmm. take away from the fact that it's an excellent sound either way you put it yeah it's composed well at the core which i think trans is that's precisely that's the biggest thing that i've noticed with and you know games that are multi-platform especially early platforms is that if they're composed well at the core they work well across multiple systems no matter the limitations of that system yeah so before we get into our kind of remix area Mm -hmm. uh we we have some really cool tracks to play but you know, looking across the board, when the game came out, there's uh, a few different review sites, or not sites, actually, magazines at yeah, the time. there weren't sites back then. <laughs> Sorry, I got to catch myself. Uh, there were a few different magazines that had um, kind of their own interpretation mm-hmm. of the game and how they felt about it. And we'd said, like, you know, it's something that requires a little bit of thought and, you know, yeah. time investment to, to really enjoy. Zap, a uh, really huge magazine uh, in the UK, in August of 1989, they gave the Amiga version a 90 out of 100. Now, that's really good. That's really, really yeah. good. Especially yeah. for like how we said, you got to spend a little time before you really develop a love for it. Right, right. I think a lot of I think a lot of the games that we talk about on this show are kind of like a time investment yeah. game. Yeah. Well, I think that's what's great is that, you know, there's a lot of games like Mega Man, Metroid, all that stuff. You pick it up. The first, the first cutscene just draws you in, and you just fall deeply in love. But a game that makes you work a little bit for its love, I really like. I think those yeah. are the games for me that that that's get Herzog. everlasting love. Yeah, that's Herzog's why. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Uh, yeah, they they basically said that you know Astaroth at first sight is very slow moving. It's not like an arcade kind yeah. of style game. It's a different um, kind of game. Yeah, but you know after you play for a while, it reveals like an interesting kind of premise and or, or I guess thought around these mind powers. We talked about that earlier, yeah. and I think that that's why they give it such a good score. Now uh, another magazine, The Games Machine. Uh, in November of 89, looked at both the Amiga and the ST version. They gave it an 84 out of 100. Again, that's still really good. Still super good. Yeah, I think it was the 83 for the uh, Amiga and 84 for the ST. Yeah, so. I, for a lot of modern people, if you look on Metacritics and something has got an 80 plus rating, it's, it's like, it's I'm going to buy it yeah. right away. And right. for 84, that's that's really good. Yeah. ST format in 89, August of 89, they gave it a 72 out of 100. We're kind of going down the a scale bit. now. Then Amiga format gave it a 41 out of 100, and that's Ouch. pretty rough. And yeah. that was in 1989 as well. And they basically said, you know, uh, you know, th- there's some tricky obstacles and stuff is kind of infuriating, but um, really, 
what it comes down to is uh, the game feels kind of like a fake. It feels like an old game that's kind of in sheep's clothing, that's remastered as yes. like an original that didn't really ever make the transition correctly. And I, I, disagree, I, I disagree with that, but I see that. I, I see that. Yeah. Okay, so pixelated audio in August of 2016 <laughs> gave it a, uh, a, what do you give it? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm just I, curious. I, for me, I think that um, spending a little bit of time with this game listening to the music, the gameplay, getting a little handle of the controls. I, this is a game I want to try to spend a little bit of time with, I think. Okay. So I would say, like, I would feel comfortable in, like, the low 80s or so. Like, wow. Okay, saying, you're like, more, I guess, a little bit more um, lenient than Well, I, I think the thing for me is that this is a game that takes skill. It mm-hmm. doesn't look like it takes skill at all. It looks like the controls are terrible. It looks Well, they like, are terrible. They're very terrible. They are terrible, but there's definitely a way to figure out how to do it properly. Once you, once you learn the controls, it's it's still terrible, but you can master the controls. Yeah, and I, and I think that's that's something that's great. Not every game has to have perfect controls because then it's going to play like something else. This game plays a little bit different. It allows me to figure out a way to figure out how to do it best. All so right. I think that's great. So I, I was relatively happy with this game. But I'm curious to see what you have to say about it. Okay, so um, I think you were a little lenient. I would have given it a high 50s, low 60. Okay. And, and the reason why I say that is because I think the controls are garbage. I think the game yeah. itself is kind of a little bit monotonous. But I give it bonus points for the soundtrack, obviously. Of course. Um, <laughs> but it does have a cool premise. It, the idea behind the mind powers and moving around these puzzles. Each mm-hmm. screen is its own kind of puzzle, its own kind of maze. Right. Um, of being able to avoid, dodge, look at patterns. I, I do like that. And do I want to spend more time with the game? Yeah, I totally do. I, I think that that is something that doesn't give it a, a low score for me because anything that I want to go back to and I I like a lot of garbage games. Oh, of course. Uh, you know, I, I, <laughs> I, I try to look beyond that. It's hard for me to look beyond the uh, the thought. You know, it's hard for me to, I guess, separate myself from thinking about how they made it. You know, doing this podcast and, and being a very into retro game, it's hard for me to separate myself from uh, thinking about what the company had to work with at the time. Of course. And, you know, look, you know, nowadays, maybe a, a, a kid from, you know, a millennial or something is going to play it and be like, this is garbage. Oh, of course. But I, yeah. but I look at it from, you know, an 80s kid and, and think like, oh, you know, what was going on at this time? Like, what was right. big? Like, this is new tech. This is emerging technology. Yeah. And it's something and so, that feels very different than a lot of yeah. games that were out at the time. And, and for me, as someone that's actually exploring a little bit into indie dev mm-hmm. type stuff, it's like, there's a lot going on, all the programming, all the artwork. There's a lot one, behind it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There, so to me, I, I feel like I'm a little bit extra lenient on some of these games that I think that that may take a little bit more of love to kind of, you know, you got to get a brush <laughs> right, off right, that right. dirt to kind of find how, yeah. how shiny it is. Well, that's what I love about playing games. Do you mean you always find like the best of it? Like we, yeah. we always look at it from like a very optimistic standpoint. We, we start playing a game. We're like, you know what? Like, the game probably sucks, but let's, let's yeah. kind of take an extra well, look. And, and I, I hope though, I hope you guys listening are kind of doing the same thing. You know, you're listening to music with us, but I, I really hope that uh, when you when you do try out the game, you give give it the benefit of the doubt. Well, and one thing that I've always loved about this specifically is that you and I have bonded over the music, mm-hmm. and the music is something that's like this. Even this game, even if this game is one of the worst games that's ever been made, and the music is <laughs> this good, we'll love it, and we find a 
different appreciation, like completely separate from the music. Well, let's look at the the gameplay and let's look at the graphics and let's look uh-huh. at how the bosses work. And mm. is it is it easy to to figure out? Is it mm. not easy to figure out? And I think looking at it from a subjective point of view with the music set aside, because that's that's our, our bread focus, and butter. Right. That's, that's the thing we love the most. It's it's really interesting to see, like if you peel off the, some of those layers and see, do we still appreciate this game? Do we still want to spend a little bit more time with it? Mm-hmm. I think that's that's something that's really unique and different. I like that yeah. a lot. If you guys do want to try out this game, and I highly urge you to, um, there is a WHD load image that exists. Just search around online. Uh, you can play it in an emulator that way. It's really easy. There's ADF files floating mm-hmm. around too. I mean, it it's very accessible nowadays to be able to try this out and get a, yeah. a sense of it. Now, Houston, the interesting thing is they had planned a ZX Spectrum version of the game, mm-hmm. and there was an episode of Your Sinclair. It was um, issue 40 that talked about the game. They'd misspelled it as a rock. <laughs> yeah. But they, they were saying, hey, you know, this is coming out, and uh, it just... It just got canned i guess never mm. released but there was plan of it coming out for the the spectrum you know i'm curious because i think it could have done well i like the spectrum you know like yeah. it had limited color palette but it also at the same time was a really cool system you yeah. know it would have been inter- interesting to see how the game translated yeah i think so anyways so we've been talking about the game uh, we've played all the music at this point mm-hmm. let's get into uh some of our remixes because oh, yeah. they're, they're pretty cool they, oh yeah great music begets great remixes yeah oh totally so this is a kind of i guess a c64 rendition or kind of a remix composed by evil man and this is called astro 2003 pretty cool right oh yeah very that, punchy yeah that was uh astro 2003 composed or remixed by evil man uh of the group bronx on the 6581 version of the sid chip and evil man's real name is reha mugra tuglo yeah hopefully we didn't butcher it too much yeah that's, <laughs> that's a tough one uh no it's just a cool track man yeah. it's it's short um you know it loops pretty quick it's like 40 or 50 seconds or something but uh that was cool and you know i i think what makes the track kind of cool too is that uh, you know Yochin Hippel made the sound very chip tune soundy, mm-hmm. so it did sound kind of Commodore sixty four already, and uh, this kind of has a, a, a bounce to that that yeah. happy kind of game over track. Yeah, no, it was almost like uh, Hippel was begging for this to happen. Yeah. <laughs> it's like maybe he didn't have enough time for himself. So uh, that's one thing I love about this remix scene is like people and take tracks yeah. that really speak to them and put their own spin on it sometimes it's yeah. not a huge spin and it's kind of taking it to a different system that maybe they liked or a chip that they liked right but uh i thought this was really cool yeah so what do we got next 
So next up, we have a track called Sanamagachi 2-in-1 for Astroth on the Atari ST from DMA SC. Third, Santa Magachi 2 in 1 from Astroth on the Atari ST, remixed by DMA SC from the demo group Sector 1. And this was featured in the 2 in 1 demo by DHS. Yeah, this is a really this is a really cool track, man. Yeah. It's a very um I, I guess it's a light take on Astroth. Mm-hmm. It's very it sounds very different, but you can hear that kind of uh I guess game over. Yeah, you can tell the, where it came from. And the progression, the chord progression is very, very prevalent. I think. Yeah. Uh, just a cool track. When I heard it and I showed it to you, it was just... Yeah, no, I thought like, this was really cool. Damn. It reminded me of like some type of early handheld or something like mm-hmm. that where there's you know a lot of limitations, but you could definitely tell where this track came from, where it was going. Great melody, really cool like, little echoes going on. And I thought it was a really nice track. Yeah. Uh, DMASC, uh, he, his real name is actually Matthew Stemple. And uh, he's just, uh, he's got a lot of other remixes out there, a lot of other tracks that he's done kind of on his own, not remixes, mm-hmm. kind of originals. Uh, really cool, like, composer and remixer. And so I thought this is a fun track to, to put in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, uh, so our, our next track, this is actually, this is really fun. Uh, this is composed by, or remixed by Groovy Kid, and this is just called the Aseroth Remix. Thank you. 
That was, that was pretty fun, huh? Yeah, I love that one. Yeah, that was Astroth Remix by Groovy Kid, who is a French remixer. And uh, I just thought this track was just fun. It's just a weird kind of groovy yeah. almost like a like a hip hop yeah it's a totally different take on it i could see this in like a really fun like bright and happy kind of indie game and yeah. if you didn't hear the original track you would never know it would be like <laughs> wow this is like a really cool track and yeah. and it's so different than what the original track was as far as tone but the melody and all that stuff is very much the same. Yeah. Now, this was part of the Fading Twilight Atari Music Collection, which is basically like a 12-disc compilation that contains wow. digital... Yeah, 12 discs. That contains digital music, like mod format, MP3, Wave, etc., uh, from Atari demos and just various different games. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's some unreleased tunes of from different popular Atari musicians just a huge collection of different music players and ways to kind of experience the sound. Anyways, if you want to check it out, it's totally free at uh, fading-twilight.atari.org. We'll put links in the show notes. Mm -hmm. Um, Very cool track. Yeah. Anyways, so our next remix, our last remix is just Astaroth title remix. That's the name of it. Mm -hmm. Composed by Axis, and that's A-C-C-X-E-S-S, and we'll be right back.
All right, you just heard Astroff title remix, remixed by Axis. And uh, Axis is the music and graphics project of a Swedish remixer by the name of Tobias Jansen. Uh, you can go to his website at Axis, that's A C C X E S S dot S E. And this track was part of his Recycle album, which is free for download from his site. Yeah. I, I'm guessing this is definitely a Hippo fan. Oh, because I think even his, I think even his name, Access, is a callback to Lethal Access, uh, which is another Hipple game. Yeah, so. no, he does have Lethal Access um, remixes. He's got some Amber Star stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, big, I could tell he's a big fan. Oh yeah, I mean when you're picking your your name, this is obviously Hipple with someone that touched him very, very much, and this track was really cool. I really liked it. Yeah, it was really. I, I thought it was an awesome remix. I think it had uh, a lot of modern take on an old track, and that's mm-hmm. oh, that's always cool. All right, yeah, so today we covered Astroth on the Commodore Amiga, composed by Yochian Hippel, one of the greatest composers for the platform and the Atari ST. We kind of looked at the Atari ST version, but this focus was on the Amiga. I hope you guys yeah. really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, and like always, if you want to know more about the show, you can check us out online at our website, pixelatedaudio.com, for show notes and track lists. We can also be found on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Pixelated Audio. Yeah, and we'd really appreciate comments or feedback on the website. A uh, really big thing for us is your iTunes reviews. Mm-hmm. Those are so awesome to get. It kind of gives us a little bit of, um, I guess, judgment of how we're doing. Yeah. And, you know, if you like the show, please leave us a review. If you don't, if you want to see some changes, uh, by all means, we take all that stuff to heart. And we yeah. we always appreciate it. Yeah. Oh. So by doing so, not only are you giving us feedback, but you're allowing us to show up more and access for other people to find us. Right, so right, if you right. like the show... By leaving us a review, it allows other people to discover the show and allows us to get more energy to create more episodes for you guys. Right, right. I mean, it takes five seconds. If you have an iOS device, you know, go into the podcast app, uh, find us, do a search, find us, put a little review in there and... Yeah, and Brian and I, we like to share them like trading cards. Like yeah. whichever one is find us first, we sell, we, <laughs> we send, send them to there. the other person, and just like it just brightens our day. Yeah. So thank you guys for all of your feedback this far. Uh, do want to give a shout out to Ryan Simister. He uh, didn't have iTunes, so mm-hmm. he sent us a very nice email saying, "Hey, you know, I don't have iTunes, but I would love to give you guys a review." He gave us kind of a personal email review, and mm-hmm. we just want to say thank you very much. Also, want to give a shout out to Pop Guy Nine 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 from the UK some really great things to say so mm-hmm. we appreciate that it's yeah. really that's really cool it's always great seeing reviews from around the world uh, it just i mean when we envisioned this podcast we thought it was just going to be like me and brian our close friends maybe our parents listen to it <laughs> and so it's seeing reviews from the uk japan australia all that stuff is just i mean we can't we can't express how much excitement it, and love we feel for our listeners so. yeah it, it means so much to us and we really care about all of you guys. If you mm-hmm. if you guys have recommendations, we would definitely love to have you on. The last episode we had with Nathan was mm-hmm. uh, he's just you know he listens to the show and he's like, hey, I love the soundtrack. So it was yeah. it was really fun to have him on. Yeah, and, and we got uh, to surprise him with his favorite composer. He didn't know. I mean, if you're new to the show, you can listen to some of our other past episodes, like when we had Matt Furness on, which is a legendary Sega Genesis composer. We, that, was, that was fun. Yeah, yeah that we, was our two-year anniversary episode, and we got to try to stump him with some of his own music, and yeah. we actually did it a few times, which is yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, and then we also did recently a two-part a least series episode and for the second episode we had composer Toshiaki Sakoda on and he gave us a little bit of insight in some of his music and some of the the reasons why some things sound the way they did yeah if you haven't listened to our last episode Buffer's Evolution I highly recommend you to go back and listen to that soundtrack it's so good yeah anyways hope you guys like the music if you hated it let us know yeah um, if you loved it even better (laughs) anyways see you guys in a few weeks for our next episode and we have a guest joining in and it's going to be kind of a like a chip focus spotlight so Mm -hmm. hope you guys uh look forward to that and we will see you again in a few weeks for the next show